0: Omnit News Digest Review of the Year 3306 We recall the news so you don't have to Part 3
1: Galactic Politics and Revolutionaries
0: On the 10th of September 3306 four starports were badly damaged by blasts Initial reports suggested Thargoid attacks, but it gradually became apparent that although Thargoid technology had been used to wreak such massive damage, the perpetrators were human, imperial subjects in fact, and that this was the opening salvo in a civil war that by the end of the year had come close to causing a war between Federation and Empire. Simultaneously in the Federation, the lengthy inquiry into the Starship One disaster in 3301 came to a conclusion and the findings were distinctly uncomfortable reading for President Hudson. These two stories became intertwined through the last four months
1: of 3306, so it's easiest to look at them together. The Empire of Akenar wasn't originally going to be an empire. The colonisation of Achenar 6D, now known as Capital, was organised and achieved by wealthy anti-federal citizen of Earth in the year 2292. This wealthy individual was Marlin Duval, and her intention was to create a properly democratic, pacifist and people-focused alternative to the industrial behemoth and stifling social conformity of the Federation. The fledgling Republic of Akenar was initially a single colony, but it quickly spread over the surface of the naturally earth-like moon. It was organised with democratically elected senators to represent the people, and a council, in which Marlene Duval herself was prominent, as an executive. To some, this Republic of Achenar was the utopia they had long sought, but it had a far shorter life than anyone could have imagined. Just four years after the Republic was founded, Marlin, her partner, and all her children died in a shuttle accident. More than 1,000 years later, the suspicion still lingers that the shuttle accident may have in fact been a targeted assassination, sororicide by the person who assumed control of the ruling council after Marlin's untimely death. Brother, Henson Duval, who took over from Marlin, used the anti-federation sentiment of the colony to disband the council, and replaced it with authoritarian governance. Little by little, the democratic processes were replaced with autocratic ones, ostensibly as a means of handling the perceived threat from the federation, it is widely accepted outside the Empire that Henson also arranged the genocide of the intelligent native species of Achenar 6D, the so-called mudlarks, that Marlin had tried to protect. It was this genocide that gave the Federation a pretext to attempt to subdue the colonists of Akenar, something Henson used to his advantage in taking sole control of government. Twenty-four years later, Henson had himself declared... Emperor Henson, the first Emperor of the Empire of Achenar. That same year, 2320, the planet was renamed Capitol, and the age of expansion of the Empire began. But the citizens of the Empire, especially those of the outlying systems, have a long memory. Many of them still look back to the short-lived Republic 1,000 years in the past as a better way to organise They believe there should be no taxation without representation, that each citizen should be valued by what they can contribute rather than by accident of birth. They believe the Republic was stolen from their ancestors by the Duval dynasty all those years ago, and they want it back. These people are known as Marlinists, after Marlin Duval, the founder of the Republic. Like Marlin, they are pacifists, and their campaigns for social and political reform went largely unnoticed. It was a splinter group, the distinctly non-pacifist Neo-Marlinist Liberation Army, that finally brought Marlinism into the spotlight in 3306.
0: Having tricked engineer Liz Ryder into creating a delivery mechanism, this group of terrorists is believed to have established two separate bomb-making factories. They detonated bombs using Thargoid enzymes to cause maximum damage in four stations, including one in Princess Ashling Duval's semi system. Two days later, they assassinated Princess Ashling's father, Prince Harold Duval, who many feel ought to have become Emperor when Hengis died in 3301. It was this assassination that appears finally to have brought the warring branches of the Duval dynasty together behind the Emperor, with Ashling and even would-be usurper Hadrian brought back into the fold following an attempt on his life, and in the face of an external existential threat to the family as a whole. The NMLA continued to attack council buildings and to assassinate minor members of the Duval clan through subsequent months, leading to a rapid, sustained and brutal response from the Empire. The Imperial Internal Security Service attempted to arrest Liz Ryder for her part in the construction of the bombs, although they eventually accepted that she had been an innocent dupe. Senator Petraeus next ordered the IISS to impose martial law in Aquada. To detain and interrogate all known Marlinists and thus to identify the terrorists among them, in the face of this oppression, on the 16th of October they began a mass exodus of Marlinists and Marlinist sympathizers from at least eight systems: 234g Karina, Balthasine, Beatis, CD-393269, Chana, HIP39470, Mazuenses, and Nahuatl. The vast majority of this first wave of refugees fled to federal systems, and President Hudson might easily have sent them all straight back to meet their fate, had he not been at that moment in the middle of a political and criminal meltdown.
1: The report on the attempted assassination of President Jasmina Halsey in 3301, the event that led to Zachary Hudson's rise to federal president found that there was strong evidence suggesting that the hyperdrive of Starship One had been sabotaged. Federal Navy Chief Technician Rory Webster was implicated and arrested, charged with mass murder and attempted treason. On the 9th of October 3306, just days before the flotilla of Marlinist refugees set sail for the Empire, Webster confessed to the sabotage but explained that he'd been acting on the direct orders off-fleet Admiral Lucas Vincent. The same Admiral Vincent who had destabilised President Halsey by bombing the onion-head fields of Capafornasus against her wishes. The same Admiral Vincent who is a close, personal friend of President Hudson. All this coincidence gave Shadow President Felicia Winters all the ammunition she needed to destabilise Hudson. Many congressmen resigned from the Republican Party in protest at Hudson's alleged involvement in murder, losing him his majority. And so, it was Shadow President Winters who was able to decide what would happen to the Marlinist refugees, and she chose to let them stay. Not only that, she granted them temporary federal citizenship, and she refused the Empire's requests for the Marlinists' extradition.
0: But Vice President Winters couldn't stop the Federal Security Service from screening the new Marlinist Federal citizens. Out of the hundreds of thousands of refugees, just nine suspected NMLA terrorists were identified and arrested. They were taken to Kepler Orbital in Atropos for questioning with the intention that they would be returned to the Empire for more detailed interrogation, and it was to prevent the return of their members to the Empire, something that would have led to their torture and the discovery of the remaining bomb-making facilities, that the NMLA bombed Federation starport Kepler orbital, destroying the secure facilities and killing the detained terrorists. That was the fifth and so far the last starport that has been bombed by the NMLA. There was civil unrest and food shortages in the Federal systems where the refugees were being housed. But this was nothing compared with the state of inter-superpower relations. Relations between the Empire and the Federation were now at a worse state than at any time since 3302, when Senator Petraeus said the Empire would no longer abide by the London Treaty on Arms limitation. Both sides embarked on a round of arms procurement, commissioning a number of new battlecruisers. But it was the surprise intervention of Li Yongri of the serious corporation and government that seems to have given Empire Federation and the Marlinists a way out. He offered to build new settlements in unoccupied systems in the Hyades sector, where the Marlinists can establish their own free settlements, unhindered by either superpower or indeed by the Alliance, which has started to see increasing numbers of refugees arriving. The eight systems that have been funded are expected to be established very early in 3307. Will this be enough to diffuse tensions between the Federation and Empire? Will the Empire be free of Marlinist dissent and NMLA terrorism? Will the Federation be able to shake off the civil unrest and food shortages and get back to run-of-the-mill corporate greed? It is going to be a few months more before Admiral Vincent comes to trial. Will that force a change in federal government? We will have answers to all these questions in the new year.
1: In the next episode, we'll take a look at what happened to mining during 3306. We'll also discuss possible mergers between ship manufacturers and look at expeditions and racers.